What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to this week's episode of Outside the Arena. I'm Griffin Senek. Alongside me is my co-host, Devin Bernstein, and we've got a Super Bowl matchup. It's going to be Chiefs 49ers. It's it's always been the Chiefs at the end of the day. I mean, it, death taxes and, and Kansas City going to the Super Bowl. So uh, we're going to talk about the conference championship round, preview the Super Bowl a little bit, although we'll probably do most of our uh, heavy heavy lifting with that next week. Um, and we'll talk a little NBA. There was a big MLB trade that went on, so we're going to touch on that. Uh, but, yeah, we're going to start with the NFL. Great weekend of games. I mean, both relatively close. Um, one high scoring, one not so high scoring. We'll start with the first one, Chiefs-Ravens. And, uh, you know, 17 to 10 is the final score. Kansas City, I feel like, was in control, though, for uh, – the entire game, it felt like pretty much, you know, the score indicates it's obviously it was a close game no matter what, but the Ravens really, you know, they scored the late touchdown, I guess they, or the late field goal, you know, they never really were really, it felt like in it, Um, you know, Lamar had a a bad interception, but I think this just comes down to the chiefs. They're just, you know, loaded on defense this year and offense just found a way to get it done. Your thoughts on the game, Dev, and obviously, uh, you know, Probably, you know, we talked about it a little off air, texted about it, you know, and I think, you know, one of Patrick Mahomes' most impressive playoff runs of all time. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to sit back here and look at Mahomes' career and be like, this is the most impressive part of it because he's already won two Super Bowls, two MVPs, two Super Bowl MVPs. He's made the championship game every year. He lost in the Super Bowl one year. Like, the guy has the most impressive resume you could imagine through the first, you know, six starting years of a career. Um, and what really stands out to me about this run is just how out of nowhere it came. I mean, this was not a team that was looking good on offense against the Raiders. They weren't looking good on offense against the Broncos. They weren't looking good at, on offense against anyone. I mean, to come out in the playoffs and say what you want about the Dolphins defense and the Bills defense. And yeah, they're maybe not the best defenses, but these are playoff caliber defenses who both had really good seasons at points of the year. And it's like, these were no slouches and Mahomes just completely tore them up. And then you face the Ravens who've been by far the best defense held the Texans without a touchdown in two games this year. Um, And they just, I mean, they weren't dominant. They only scored 17 points all in the first half, but they did everything they needed to do. They kept moving the ball. They kept converting on third downs. Mahomes was efficient. Um, They couldn't really run the ball super well, but kind of didn't matter. Um, You know, I, I just, I, I just don't think we've ever seen someone, I'm going to word this very carefully. I don't think we've ever seen someone play better than Patrick Mahomes is over the last five years obviously Brady has the better resume is the goat no questions asked um at this point of course but Mahomes what Mahomes is doing is basically he's become Brady with an even bigger arm and some of the best playmaking instincts we've ever seen from the quarterback position I mean maybe he doesn't have quite the processing ability of Brady maybe not quite the accuracy or touch but He's basically at a Brady level with all the non-physical stuff. And physically, he's basically Josh Allen. I mean, (laughs) he's not quite as fast, not quite as strong, maybe not quite as much of an arm, but he has an absolute cannon. He 
is very fast, very agile, very hard to tackle for whatever reason. He like the NFL, like he kind of like made a joke about it, how he kind of has a dad bod, like how is this dude out running everyone? Like, I don't understand. Like we're in the age of the NFL where most, you know, good edge rushers are 250 pound guys who run in the four fives. And Mahomes just runs right by them every time it feels like. Like I I don't understand that. Like I know I know this is supposed to be some analysis, but I genuinely do not understand how Mahomes is so hard to tackle. That and but that's a big thing in the playoffs. Like the scrambling ability becomes huge. Um so can't be more impressed by Mahomes. Kelsey is back. Their defense is obviously very, very good. Um I'll say this, if they keep Chris Jones around and Travis Kelsey around for another couple of years and they're able to get like even just two more starting caliber receivers, like this isn't going anywhere, guys. Like I know it's annoying, like like I would say I'm 10% sick of the Chiefs whereas everyone is 100% sick of the Chiefs. Yeah, I know. Like like I get it. It's like yeah. Like they show Swift a lot, but it's like it's like thirty seconds of the game. It's like okay, it's not that big yeah. of a deal. Like they talk about it a lot. It's like it's it's kind of annoying, and it's like we've seen the Chiefs do this every year. But it's like I don't know. The thing to me is they're very different from the Patriots because the Patriots cheated. Um, <laughs> like the Patriots, they were spying on yeah. teams. They were deflating balls. Like there were multiple scandals with the Patriots. Um. And, you know, I think we'll get to a point where the Chiefs are pretty unlikable, like from an objective standpoint, if they won like five Super Bowls in eight years, like, yeah, yeah. like I'm going to start rooting against them pretty heavily. <laughs> um, but we're not at that point. I just I don't see the reason to hate the Chiefs. Maybe this is just a rationalization in my mind so I can root more heavily against the 49ers. Um, <laughs> but. You know, I just hats off to the Chiefs. They're inevitable. Um, Kelsey is back, um, like in a big way. Like they just Kyle Hamilton, who is an all pro level player, 6'4, 220, has is one of the only guys that you look at and say, you know what, maybe he could, you know, lock up Travis Kelsey. Nope, not even at all. Um, I've gone on for a while here. I don't have much else to say. Um, but I just, I can't be, I, there's, there's no understating and how impressed and surprised I am by this chiefs team, which shouldn't be as surprising because they're the freaking chiefs. And I guess this is our lesson that they are basically the heat of bat of football, <laughs> but they have Mahomes. Um, yeah. you can't count them out and they have the best player in the world. So it's, it's pretty tough to beat them. Um, especially with the way that defense has been playing, but what are your thoughts on this Griff? Um, I know. Yeah, I know. We were about this a lot, so yeah. Go ahead. Go no, ahead. I agree with a lot of what you said. The one one thing I actually want to bring up real quick that you brought up that I think was interesting is about the whole Taylor Swift thing. I actually there was a Colin Coward like take on this yep. that kind of circulated. Yeah, and um, I actually watched it. It, it. My professor in my sports journalism class put it on, and it is true. It's like <clears throat> the average time CBS shows her per game is like twenty five seconds out of three and a half hours. It's like really not that big a deal like it's really uh really not a problem so yeah um that's just another thing i think yeah like you said we just gotta stop doubting the chiefs like this team has proven year in and year out that uh they're gonna be in this spot every year 
Um, and the only one it feels like who's basically stopped Mahomes has been Brady. I know Burrow beat him one year. I guess that's his kind of other foe. Um, but like other than that, I mean, he's beaten everyone he's faced. Um, so, you know, and we say it every year. It's like, why are we down Mahomes? Why are we down Mahomes? And then there's a point where everyone's like, oh, the Chiefs are done. Like this team's not good. And it's like, they're just, they're just the Chiefs, man. Um, yeah, I agree. Kelsey, um, you know, a down year, you know, obviously he's getting up there in age. Um, you got to wonder if the off the field stuff probably, I mean, I think it had to have affected him somewhat. I mean, he basically became a, like a list celebrity essentially in the world, which is like, I mean, for NFL players, like, I didn't even know if Patrick Mahomes is that like, it's like probably Brady and like, and like Kelsey now, like are the only two guys where I'm like, they, they just have that status. Um, so you got to wonder if that played into it. Regardless, he's looked good. Rasheed Rice has been great there. Um, Pacheco has been, you know, great. Um, you know, I, I thought it was awesome to see MVS catch the, the game ceiling pass on a deep ball. Um, obviously, you know, I think a lot of those Chiefs receivers are, are you know, I, I obviously can't speak for them, but I'm sure it takes a toll when the media just buries you and trashes you consistently. And the, to seal the game winning catch, it was pretty cool to see. But yeah, I think at the end of the day, this team, and it's different from uh, from past Chiefs teams, is their defense is just so freaking good. I mean, it is so good at all levels. They're secondary. I mean, they have two of the best corners in the league in Trent McDuffie and Legarius Sneed. And, you know, Sneed, they're going to have to re-sign. I mean, that's almost as high a priority as Chris Jones almost, you know. Um, they're going to have to get the checkbook out. I don't know if they'll be able to keep both those guys. I don't know what's going to happen. But um yeah, I mean, their defense is sensational. You know, Spags does a great job there. And, you know, they just made the Ravens look, you know, not like the Ravens. I don't know. We've seen the Ravens. I mean, the way the Ravens beat down, like the Dolphins and the 49ers at the end of the season. And then to see this, it's kind of crazy at home as well. That's another thing. The whole Mahomes hasn't played on the road narrative. Just let's never talk about that again. That was the stupidest <laughs> thing I think we've ever seen. Um yeah, um, I know we've talked a lot about the Chiefs. They played great. The Ravens are, you know, I don't really know what 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 the game plan was coming in here. I mean, they run the ball five times with uh, six times with their running backs. I mean, this team is built on the run. Like at the end of the day, like yeah, Lamar's the MVP and like he's a sensational talent, but like Lamar Jackson is not like when we're strictly talking about passing quarterback. Lamar Jackson is not like in the top ten, maybe not even in the top like. I guess he's probably top 15, but like, he's not like, like leaning on him against this secondary with his arm. I just don't understand it, especially these weapons. Like I know it's better than what they've had, but like you've got Mark Andrews who clearly was not a hundred percent, you know, Zay flowers is a dog, but then like, it's just like a bunch of washed up guys like Aguilar OBJ. Like, I don't know. I disagreed with their offensive game plan. Um, but also, I mean, just these stupid penalties in this game. I mean, they had a bunch of them. And, you know, I'm not saying I agree with the the taunting rule or whatever or all this stuff. But, I mean, I think they had four unsportsmanlikes or, or something like that, which is just like I know it's a chippy game. I know there was, you know, drama pregame with Tucker and all this stuff in the media. But it's like you have got to be disciplined. And that's one thing we've seen with the Chiefs is like I think this game was a difference of like, who's been there and who hasn't like the chiefs, like they're used to this. They're used to the noise. They're used to, to, to play in, you know, through adversity, but it's like, 
the Ravens just looked like out of sorts and they just looked like the moment had gotten to them. I don't know. Um, obviously they had a great season. Um, you know, that defense is legit and is going to be, you know, a problem even with, you know, defensive coordinator Mike McDonald leaving for uh, Seattle. But I don't know, man. They, they, I disagreed with their, I mean, six carries by the running backs to me was just absolutely crazy. I don't know what, uh, it's Todd Monk in there, right? He's the current guy. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what that, that game plan was, but hey, man, that, that's, you know, I don't know. But at the end of the day, Mahomes, I mean, 30 for 39 completion percentage. I mean, I think that kind of <laughs> says it all. I mean, pretty, this guy's a stud and we got to stop doubting him. So I've been rambling on probably even longer than you were. So I'm going to stop talking now. Um, <laughs> do you have anything else you want to add or, or on to the next one? Um, Just quickly. Yeah. Like why, why, what are we doing with the, with the fighting in a championship game guys? Um, Like, like you said, like it's chippy, whatever. There's some type of stuff pregame or some type of rivalry, whatever. Like, that's cool. Like you just can't be costing your team in a playoff win and go win or go home game. It's like, like win or go, like winning, go to the Super Bowl. It's not even just yeah. like the wild card round. It's like, yeah, I just, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, it's not even like this is the type of team with an identity. That's like, um, you know, we're going to hit you in the mouth, like maybe a little bit, but they're not like one of the, like the Niners, like I get it with the Niners. Cause that's or like, like the lions, whole... the lions yeah. are like that team. Yeah. The kneecap biters, but like, yeah, I like, I don't know. I like, I just don't, I don't, I don't get it. I'm obviously not an NFL player. Maybe you have to be a little bit crazy to be on an NFL defense, which I think there's some merit to that. Like not crazy, but like, you gotta, you, you gotta have that dog in you at the very least. Um, so yeah, that was just like frustrating as someone who was like hope hope I wasn't really rooting for the Niners or for the Ravens rather, but um I would have been happy to see them go and I would have been happy to see a great game. And it was just frustrating that a big reason was because they were undisciplined. Uh that just feels like that shouldn't be the case. But uh moving on to uh, a great, great game. Obviously a frustrating one for me at home. Um I I thought this one was over. I started playing Xbox. I look back <laughs> and Brandon Ayuk had made one of the craziest plays of all time. And I strapped in for what I knew was going to be a painful couple of hours. Um, I don't even have the final score up, so I don't know what I think it, it's I 34, thinking. 31, 34, 31. Okay. That's what I was thinking. Um, Yeah. So just a couple of things I want to talk about. The fourth down decisions, one thing I will say that's been talked about on Twitter a decent amount is like, yeah, they were dumb, but also they don't really trust their kicker, which is like fair, but also why do you not trust your kicker? Like it's the NFL. Yeah, I, feel like, I feel like Badgley is pretty like solid too. Like he's not like terrible. Apparently he has bad numbers from 40 to 49. I, I don't I don't know. I don't really I don't really agree with the decisions to go for it, especially the second one. It just felt like like I'm, I love going for it. I love the idea of being aggressive. I love trying to end a game when you can against a really good team. But to make a game a three possession game, as opposed to, you know, you go for it and you still have twenty plus yards to get a touchdown, just doesn't seem like the most efficient way. Obviously, they caught some really, really bad breaks, dropped interceptions, a dropped interception that Brandon Ayuk said, "Oh, I'll catch this," and. You know what they're gonna what are they gonna say about Brock Purdy now, Griff? Um, 
I mean, he played well. Like, the scrambling was impressive. Like, clearly he has some playmaking instincts that, um, you know, people in the draft didn't see coming along with, obviously, the processing and the accuracy and the timing and whatever. Um, Purdy's a really good player, but you look at this game and it's like he kind of put them in a position to be down in this game. And he kind of rescued them as well. Um, yeah. So I'm kind of up and down on this performance from Purdy because he looked like a reason they were losing and then was a huge reason they won. So it's always hard to say, like, assess a performance like that, really. Um, the Lions, obviously, you know, like Dan Campbell said, and Dan Campbell keeps it 100, 100% of the time. I love this dude. He goes, yeah, we may not be back here, which, first of all, <laughs> I love, I love, I love that. I love the honesty because this sends the message to the players that we can't just get, you know, uh, I don't remember the word. Complacent get, or? Yeah, complacent. There we go. Um, We're figuring it out here. Um, but, like, that's a big thing. And, you know, obviously they kept Ben Johnson. You got $60 million in cap space. You don't have any major free agents to resign, but. My guess is most of that cap space is going to go to a golf extension. And that just makes me feel so icky that you're giving golf one of these big time quarterback contracts. Not that he hasn't played really well. It just feels like that's a recipe for disaster. Like, like, like Daniel Jones, it's like, you look at the season he had in 2022. It's like, yeah, he's probably a starting level quarterback, but then at the end of the day, you're giving like 160 million dollars to Daniel Jones. And yeah. you're like, I think Jared Goff. Oh, real quick, I think Jared Goff is a lot better than Daniel Jones. Oh though. no, like, definitely, but he would also yeah. get a, no. A I, way I, contract. I don't. But that's I think just the problem that is, and we've seen it with you know yeah. these, the quarterback play this year. I mean, it was a fucking disaster. Like, excuse my language, but like oh, it was right. like we hyped it. I feel like we hyped it up preseason. Like, oh yeah. my god, the quarterback play has never been higher, and it's like. It's actually terrible. Like it was, it was a disaster this year. Injuries, you know, aside, but um, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no worries. I no. I golf is much better than Daniel Jones. Golf is a good quarterback in this league, even probably without Ben Johnson. But um, you know, I just worry because Ben Johnson will be gone at some point. He's too good of a mind not yeah. to become a head coach at some point. Um, I just. I get I li- I have a little worries about the long term future. He drafted a linebacker with a very low ceiling in the first round this year. Obviously, I was wrong about Gibbs. Obviously, Laporta and Branch in the second round are absolute studs. Um, a big argument in the favor that you know positional value, especially once you get out of these like top fifteen picks, isn't super important if you're getting just yeah. a stud like Laporta. Like, n- not as much with him, but. With Branch, like, everyone knew he was a, a clear come in. He either starts at safety or he starts at nickel corner, and he's a beast. But people don't want to take that guy in the first round, and it's like, I get it, but come middle of the second round, like, what are we doing? Like, this guy's a yeah. horrible, like pro bowl caliber prospect. Like, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he just hit his ceiling much quicker than expected. But from what I evaluated from him, I felt like there was just no way he wasn't going to be at least a good starter in the slot day one, which just feels very valuable. Um, nowadays with all the three receiver sets we see, 
Um, so I, I was a little lower on the Lions future at, immediately after this game when I thought Ben Johnson would be gone and I didn't really look into their free agency and cap space situation. So I think they'll be able to make some additions. You need another corner. You probably need another linebacker, which sucks because you just spent a first round pick on one and you need, you just need another dog on the defensive line. You have good players, you have Aiden Hutchinson, but if you have two really good players and an Ali McNeil, who's a good starter and some good rotational players, I think that's when this defense could really start cooking. Um, about the Niners, like, yeah, I mean, they're just, they just, they're really loaded. Everyone said they couldn't come back because they haven't. And it's a bit like the Mahomes thing where it's like more of situational. And Mahomes, it was entirely situational because he was too good to have ever even had the chance to play on the road, um, yeah. which, if anything, should have been an argument in his favor. Um, yeah. But, you know, with the Niners, it's like, oh, they never come back from deficits. It's like, yeah, but they're also kind of never losing. So that's a yeah. big <laughs> like, um, you know, maybe they're not the ideal team in terms of how they want to play to come from behind, but they're certainly good enough too. Um, especially when Purdy is like, like, I don't want to say it, but some of his, his scrambling stuff, it's like, like, where did this come from? Like, <laughs> what? Like, like I thought he was like this super, super physically ungifted quarterback. But now it's like he doesn't have the worst arm you've ever seen. He's pretty athletic, and he always had this accuracy and and decision-making ability. And obviously, I'm not an NFL talent evaluator, and I was even further from that, uh, you know, a couple of years ago when Purdy was coming out. But Brock Purdy sucked in college. I will never understand what happened. I remember vividly him getting sacked and throwing a pass like 20 yards backwards, similar to what Deshaun Watson did this year. <laughs> I, I don't know why I'm bringing that up, but like I just remember watching that live and being like, oh, wow, this guy sucks. And then two years later, he's like the Super Bowl MVP, you know, <laughs> favorite, or it's him or Mahomes, I'm assuming. But yeah, like, I think it's Mahomes, but yeah. yeah. But, I mean, he's top two in MVP, Super Bowl MVP odds. This is ridiculous. Obviously, I don't like the Niners, but this is a very, like, cool story. Like, like very impressed. Um, I'm sure that means a lot that a 19-year-old kid is impressed with Brock Purdy. <laughs> um, but I will say this defense, like, it kind of got shredded apart. Like, yeah. Chase Young, obviously, there was that pretty viral clip of him not giving the best effort. I, I don't think that was the biggest deal in the world, but... Certainly not what you would expect from a Niners defense that kind of has that chip on their shoulder mentality that we talked about with the Ravens. Um, it just, I don't know. I don't know exactly what the problem is with this defense because they're so talented and have so many good players everywhere. I guess the safeties aren't great. Um, the corners outside of Traverius Ward aren't great. So I guess that's the weakness. I certainly expect Mahomes to tear this defense up. Um, you know, I... We're not going to get too far into the predictions. I will say this. I don't understand the line. I don't understand how we've watched Mahomes this postseason and thought, yeah, he shouldn't be the favorite in any game he plays. Like, it's that simple to me. I obviously know there's way more that goes into it than that. Um, I just I just find it interesting that Mahomes is getting points right now. Um, I said a lot. I keep on saying I'm talking forever. <laughs> we're just we're just going on on all we're just yappers yeah we're like oh it's a 20 minute episode we're already like 40 deeper (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah i i think yeah that's most of what i have to say about this game what are your thoughts yeah i mean it was a great game um i unfortunately didn't get to watch most of it um 
due to various schoolwork. But, um, you know, I tuned in for the most of the second half. Um, I mean, first off, like, different Cavs, the Lions, like, no one expected them to get this far this season. Even when they made the playoffs, no one expected it. Um, so, crazy hell of a season. Like you said, like, like I know they, they draft, like, you know, a little differently than some other teams, but it's like they've hit on, like, all their freaking picks for the last, like, three years since Brad Holmes has been there. Like, they've done a great job drafting. So, at this point, when they pick a guy that, like, you know, maybe Jack Campbell hasn't been the biggest dog yet. Maybe that's the only guy that, you know, wasn't the best pick. But, like, when they pick someone and you're, like, out of spot, just assume they're, like, a Hall of Famer at this yep. point. Um, You know, I mean, they've got stars. Like, Laporta is going to be one of the best tight ends in the league. You know, he's pro- he, he might be the – the the passing of the torch from you know Kelsey almost you know you know right. it, we'll see Amon Ra obviously is you know people don't really consider him in that top you know five receiver combo but he's he's up there I mean he's an absolute star um, Jameer Gibbs Dave Montgomery is you know probably the best one two running back punch in the league at this point like they've got a ton to look forward to like you said the defense they need some some additional guys there um, you know. It's a good – it's it's not bad, but it's just not great. Um, and, you know, I think it kind of cost them a little. Obviously, offensively in this, you mentioned the decisions. Like, that's what – you know, it's it's tough. Like, I think it's really tough because um, it's you, – you've lived and died on that all season. That's why you're there is the aggressiveness. And, and, you know, I love it. I think the fans love it. But at the same time, it's like – I think Dan Campbell is a great coach and has done an incredible job at sometimes though. It's just pure recklessness. We saw it in the Dallas game. I mean, that was just idiotic. I I know they got screwed, but it's like when you're going for a two point from like the eight yard line or whatever, like that's just reckless. It's the playoffs. You've got to kick the, you've got to kick the field goal. I know your defense is having trouble getting a stop and it probably wouldn't have mattered, but I get it. And like, it was right there. I think you got to take the points there and just tie it up. Um, they totally botched the clock management at the end of the game, um, having to use a timeout. I get it. It's like you've got one of the best lines in the league, really good running back. Still probably should not have run the ball there. Um, there's just There were small things in this game where it's like, yes, Dan Kibble's an incredible coach, and I understand he's going to live and die by his decisions in the fourth downs, but it's like at some point you got to just – make the, the rational decision and, and just take the points or, or just go to OT or what it is. Um, so, yeah, that's my thoughts on the Lions. I mean, they're going to be a great team for a while. The Goffs, like you said, like paying him, like obviously, you know, I wouldn't say it has disaster written all over it. It's, you know, there's definitely, I think you'll get to a point where you're like, holy cow, we got to pay this guy, you know, 50 million. He's, you know, it's Jared Goff, third, age 34, or 35 season, like, it's going to be rough, but that's just the NFL these days. Um, the Niners, I mean, holy hell, they've been starting out flat. And I think the difference is if they, if they come out like that against Kansas City, it's done. Like oh. The Super Bowl is oh. over because th- this Kansas City defense is going to be by far the best defense they've faced in the playoffs. Uh, Packers and Lions, you know, they got some guys, but it's like these have not been great defenses. And and the Packers fired their defensive coordinator. Yeah, like exactly. Like they they these are not defenses that move the needle. So Kansas City is, you know, it's arguably the best defense in the NFL. I mean, they've really, you know, you got to put them up there um, with like, you know, they, I mean, they've done it in the playoffs. You look at a team, I guess Cleveland would be probably the regular season best defense, but it's like 
they got fucking cooked. So it's like Kansas City's, you know, probably them the Ravens, but they just beat the Ravens. So I don't know. I'm I'm rambling a little, but they have to come out hot, and they'll have two weeks to prepare. And look, I think this is going to be a great game. Um, and you know, the Niners got the star power on offense. I mean, that that's the difference between them and the and the, the Ravens. It's kind of a reversal. You know, I, I'm a Purdy guy. I think he's pretty solid. I know he gets a lot of hate um, for whatever reason. I think people are just like, I, I don't know what it is. It, it's just like. It's kind of weird the Purdy hate because I guess people just hate the Niners. So, but like, I don't know, man. It's like he's such a he just seems like an innocent, like Christian loving, like like just kind of guy. Like he's not really a dramatic type person. I don't know. Um, I don't know, but yeah, they got the star power and the weapons, and you know, it's going to be really fun watching. You know, Spags versus Shanahan. I think you know we saw it in the Super Bowl. These teams look totally different than on both sides of the ball, really. I mean, some similar guys, but the the shift in and just I mean, it's just different. I mean, I don't need to ramble on, but um I think it was really impressive how they played in the second half. I mean, if they come out like that, they're winning the Super Bowl, hands down. You know, I, I don't think uh you know, if their offense can do that against Kansas City's defense, I don't think Kansas City will be able to score as easily as maybe we think. You know. They really struggled in the second half against Baltimore. And obviously, Baltimore's got a better defense than San Fran. But, um, I mean, they basically mustered nothing up in that second half, Kansas City. So, um, that's also I mean, been a did theme. They, yeah, they, 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 they're just a streaky team. And the second half has been problematic for them. Seems like they kind of were able to come out with, you know, a, a good game plan and have some stuff to, to throw it. And then once you use that, it's like been a struggle. So, um, but look. That's why it's so key to have their defense this year. Going to be a great battle. Um, you know, oh, man, I, I'm excited for this. I really am. I, you know, the stars are going to be out. I, I I mean, we kind of talked about it. It's going to be the most watched Super Bowl of all time with Taylor Swift and everything going on. Am, am I? Is it bad that I'm saying I'm disappointed that Usher's the halftime performance? I feel like this Super oh, Bowl. Millennials are going to hate you for that. I know. Well, ugh, kill me now, I guess. But um. I don't know, man. I feel like we need some. It's Vegas. It's like Chiefs, Niners. I don't know, man. We need. I. I don't know. If, uh, Usher's doing it for me for the halftime for this game. I don't know. Maybe I'm a. I'm an idiot. I'm going really off the rails now. But um, I love it. Y- yeah, I. I don't know. I think. Uh, I. You know, like you said, defense for the Niners has got to play better, and they've got to play better in the first half because if they come out like that. Kansas City's defense is not going to let them go for 27 in the second half. Like that, they might even be lucky to get 27 in the game. You know, yeah. um, so hey, it's it's where legends are made. I mean, it's it's fun because you've got Mahomes, where it's like if he wins this one, like it's crazy to say, but like goat status is like he's like getting there. Where it's like if Purdy wins this, it's just like Mr. Irrelevant, Super Bowl probably wins MVP, uh, Super Bowl MVP. I'm saying um, just two like kind of really cool story so i'm really excited for this one um so you know maybe i'm a bad person but i was kind of rooting for the niners i think this is the game i, I wanted with these matchups but yeah this is a better game i would say yeah yeah i think the chiefs would have destroyed the, the lines maybe but that's what we said last week about this game and the, the Lions played the niners tight so props to them on a great season i'm gonna stop talking um, I feel like we could probably jump to NBA. I mean, we've kind of previewed the the game a little bit, but I don't know if you got anything else to say. 
Uh, just quickly on like the the last couple drive, like the the one before the onside kick for the Lions. Like, why are we running it on third down? Like, pass it on third, and then on fourth down, you know, there's no risk of running the time. Um, because yeah. obviously, if you don't get it, the game's over. Like, I it just seems like the logical move to go for it, go for the run on fourth down if you get there. But that's besides the point. It was likely over anyway. They didn't get the onside kick, so it really doesn't matter too much. But that just felt like a small decision. That's like, what are we doing here? Um, but yeah, we want to move on to the NBA. Um, the main news, unfortunately, uh, my glorious king Joel Embiid has a torn meniscus. Um, yeah, I mean, looking at the recovery time for this, it's about a two to four week injury if he doesn't get surgery, and it's about a like three to five month injury if you do get surgery could be to four to six um my heavy heavy guess here is that Embiid is going to do everything he can to avoid the surgery here um I just I don't think he wants to miss a year of his prime the best year of his career thus far um which is ridiculous because he had a very impressive MVP season last year and two runner-ups the two years before um so obviously a pretty insane stretch of basketball for Embiid, but it this has been the bugaboo for him. I mean, the injuries have really, uh, you know, he's never really been fully healthy for a playoff run uh, besides the bubble where they lost in four games with no Ben Simmons, um, where he was incredible in those four games uh, and was healthy. Besides that, he hasn't been healthy in the playoffs. He's struggled at times. Um you know, he kind of faded away in the game seven against Boston last year. Um, but he's ultimately got to be healthy for the playoffs for this team to have a chance. And you wonder if the status of this injury changes their trade deadline uh, ambitions, if they want to go back to saying this is more of a build for next year type situation. Although I'm uh, I'm pretty pessimistic about that because the free agency pool keeps on drying up and the guys that are currently going to be free agents that are currently on the roster, uh, such as a De'Anthony Melton, Nick, Nico Batum, Pat Bev, Tobias Harris, Kelly Oubre, all these guys have played pretty well. So to me, I think you're trying to make a trade for someone who can be on the team for the next few years and then re-sign most of the guys you have that are upcoming free agents. And then you can potentially <clears throat> add someone on a mid-level exception type deal, which is about 12 and a half million a year for teams that don't have cap space, which the Sixers should be able to do. Um, assuming, you know, Tobias Harris doesn't command another max contract, which will probably be the death of me. Um, <laughs> you know, but I don't think he's going to be super expensive. I don't think Melton or Batum will be. So I think this team will have the cap space to re-sign everyone and make an addition or two plus an addition at the trade deadline. That just feels like the most realistic way to make this team a championship contender. But again, the Embiid injury complicates that. Obviously, last night, I'm not sure if you saw this, but Maxi had 51 yeah. points against Jazz. Great game. Um, But this is just like this just shows for the next couple of weeks without Embiid. And now the Sixers have slid down the standings behind the Cavs and the Knicks who've played really well recently. Um, it's just going to be really tough. Like Utah's a solid team, but to have your best player without Embiid have a career night and you barely win against Utah. I mean, that just goes to show that it's going to be tough sledding. You're going to be happy to be anything above 500 with Embiid out. Um so it, it, it's going to be tough. This is a really brutal blow for the 76ers. Um, 
I, again, I do expect Embiid will be back and avoid surgery and probably will play really damn well, even if he's not quite a hundred percent. Um, the one thing I will say about this, you know, the, the NBA as a whole right now is LeBron is getting very cryptic. So I did very much expect there to be some pretty major roster shakeups with the Lakers. I'd expect the Hawks to trade a few guys. I'd expect um, the Pistons to make a weird win now trade because they're that bad. I'd expect, um, you know, the Kings, I could see the Kings making a dumb desperation move. There's a lot of things I could see happening. It seems like every deadline in the NBA, there's like one or two guys that gets traded that you're like, whoa, that guy got traded. And I'm going to be honest, I, I'm expecting that to happen. I don't think LeBron gets traded. There's been some type no. of talk about that. That's not going to happen. I mean, to be even coming if LeBron, home to the Cavs. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even if LeBron is, is, is done in LA, he doesn't want to play in LA. He's not going to want to get traded because – like he doesn't want to be known as a guy who, you know, got passed around four teams at the end of his career. Like he probably yeah. in an ideal world wants to stay with the Lakers, but if not, he wants to go to one team and play with Bronny for a few years and retire there. Um, yeah. You know, I don't think he wants to go get traded to the thunder and then sign with the Sixers and then go to the Rockets and to like, that's not going to happen. That's not LeBron. Yeah. This isn't 2k. Like that's not how this works. Like, <laughs> I, I really do doubt that, but I would expect someone to get traded. Maybe the Timberwolves make a move because they're in like absolute cap hell next year. So maybe they try to capitalize off some of their guys who are having good years this year, some of their trade value, but that's weird to do as a contending team. So not sure. Um, yeah. I mean, the NBA is kind of in the dog days of the season. A lot of, a lot of teams fighting a lot of injuries, like the Knicks were playing, you know, Precious Achua played 43 minutes last night at power forward for the Knicks. Um, it's crazy they're of, the three seed right they're now. They're the three seed. I mean, Brunson is just – that guy – Dog. I mean, his stats – Hardenstein's a dog too. I didn't, Hardenstein, I didn't Hard, yeah. This guy was like a, a joke a, lot, a few years ago. Yeah. I didn't even realize – he's a dog. Yeah, no, he's, he's really stepped up. Obviously, the Ananobi trade has been huge for them. Um, I kind of said this last week. I, I, I do heavily expect them to trade that expiring Fournier 20 million um, and one of their picks from a bunch of other teams. So they won't even have to give up one of their own picks uh, and would still have extra draft capital just to get another guy who can play 20, 25 minutes. Um, ideally, it's either um, a guard who can play next to Brunson or a bigger forward who can play next to Randall. Maybe you got two guys like a backup point guard who you don't really trust or in a backup wing you don't really trust but they can both kind of level it out play some minutes whatever you you can figure it out but you need a guy or two um just just one more uh just because you gave up two guys in the quickly uh you know rj barrett trade and you only got one back realistically besides an achua who probably isn't a huge part of your playoff rotation so um, just need a few more minutes to go around, but the Knicks are looking really good. The Celtics have obviously looked really good despite losing to a LeBron and AD list Lakers last night at home, which was really weird. Uh, the Bucks obviously fired their head coach, Adrian Griffin. I believe we talked about that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, we did um, last week. Yeah. yeah, we did last week. What am I thinking? Um, so, you know, they're going to be interesting to see what they're like. Uh, in, in the West, it's a bloodbath. Um, it's going to be interesting to see like, one of these teams, like the Warriors might miss the play in, like the Lakers might miss the playoffs. Um, 
so that'll be interesting to see it get sorted out. That's kind of all I have for the NBA. Um, what are your What are your thoughts on what's been going on? Yeah, I mean, obviously Embiid um, sucks to see. Um, like you kind of said, I think you know that's obviously been kind of one of the the issues with him is just it feels like he's never hundred percent. Um, you know, obviously with the new rules, he's not going to be eligible for MVP, so he's not going to be able to be a, a two time MVP, which it seemed like he was already probably going to miss you know, that yeah. qualification, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, it, it sucks seeing how good he was playing, but look, uh, hopefully he'll be back in time. I think he'll be back in the playoffs, right? In time for the playoffs, or he should be at least. Um, if he gets surgery and they decide to play it very cautiously, there's a world where he's out for the year, but I'd, I'd, wow. re- I'd give it a 95% chance. He's back okay. by around early March. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, Sucks to see Sixers will adapt. I mean, they'll probably lose some more games than they were, but, you know, this is still a playoff team. Maxi, like you said last night, 51 points. I mean, he's a stud. Um, you know, the East is a, is very interesting right now. I mean, you just had the uh, – obviously you got the Celtics at the top, um, the Bucks now with Doc Rivers. It looks like – I'm trying to see they've lost two in a row. So, um, maybe Doc Rivers wasn't a good hire. Who would have thought? Um there's Devin Smirks away. Um, Knicks have been playing good. Cavs have been playing good. It's just like, are either of those teams going to be good enough come playoff time to like make a run? I think, you know, Mitchell and Brunson have both kind of established themselves as, you know, those guys, but we'll see. Um, you know, the heater in the seven seed, that's just dangerous. You never want to see them down there. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, like you said, the deadline will be interesting. I think the Lakers are obviously, uh, kind of a shit show i mean you gotta darvin ham's gonna be counting his days at this point i mean it, it's been a nightmare there how does um, he still have a job i don't know i think probably just the, the thought process is they don't want to make a, a head coaching move mid-season but maybe that you know it's probably what they should be doing i mean i don't even know who they could i feel like there was one big name that i was like oh maybe they well booted hire... yeah maybe him um i was thinking i forget who i was i don't know LeBron will just be the coach. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, at the end of the day, you know, NBA is so interesting. So, you know, it's always shit going on in the regular season. Like you said, the Warriors right now are in a pretty bad spot. Um, you know, th- there's just a lot of teams, it seems like, that are just frustrated, especially in the West. I mean, it's a mess. I mean, I was looking at the standings. Like, you know, one team that I feel like we got a shout out that we haven't really talked about much is the Clippers. I mean, they've been yeah. playing insane, like with James Harden. I mean, it, I know there was an initial kind of, uh, you know, learning curve, but it's like this team has been one of the best teams in the NBA since then. And, you know, yeah, Russ has, has played well on the at the bench. The Pistons. Um, Pistons suck. Are play- yeah, I was like, did you say Pistons or did I hear you wrong? Oh, no. No, no, no. Since since the uh oh. the five start, they're like thirty and six or something like that. Okay, been, like, yeah. Ridiculous. I was like the Pistons. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, I was no, like, the what? <laughs> I was like, am I that out of touch? Um, yeah. Um, no, the Clips have been playing good. I mean, Kawhi's had a great year. It, it's just been, uh, you know, I think for them, you know, they put all their chips in in one basket this year. So we'll see how it ends up for them. Obviously, the Thunder, fun young team. The Nuggets are, uh, you know, you never want to count Jokic out. So, you know, I think we're starting to see the playoff picture take shape a little bit. Um, but obviously, there's going to be a lot of movement. We'll see what happens at the deadline. I mean, I think you've covered it pretty well, so I'm not going to get too much more into it. But um, 
yeah, it's kind of what I got on the NBA. I mean, it's uh, it's trudging along. We had all star selections, so um, you know, there's still a, a ways to go. What are they? They probably got like thirty ish games left to play, right? Something like that. Yeah, I think. like thirty two, something like that for most. Thirty thirty two, yeah. So um, you know, not winding down just quite yet, but they're getting there. You know, so yeah, that's what I got. Yeah, um, just really quickly, I'll say this about the 65-game requirement. I think it makes sense for the MVP. It's rare you see, you know, it, 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 it'll it push guys to, if they're near that mark, but their team's clinched the one seed, they're going to play the rest of the games. Whatever, that's fine. With yeah. All-NBA, I mean, first of all, if a guy played 45 games and put up a great season, they wouldn't make All-NBA because that's part of the criteria. Second yeah. of all, this comes into how much players get paid, which – really feels icky because just doesn't feel like a guy played 64 games but was one of the best players in the NBA and is arbitrary based on this arbitrary number is not going to be able to get a max a super max contract now it just that just doesn't feel like the best course of action but I get it with the MVP um, it's hard to look at a guy like Embiid because, like you said, like he probably wasn't going to play enough games to get the MVP this season regardless. But you look at a guy like Halliburton, um, he's almost certainly going to miss uh, seven t- or sorry, 18 or more games. I think he's already missed 15. I mean, he's a guy who's absolutely having a no-doubt All-NBA season, and yet he's probably not going to make it. He's probably not going to be eligible for a Supermax contract. Um, which is crazy, which is crazy. Like, right. I mean, I don't, I get the, the point of the rule. The load management has gone a little bit too far. I think there is something to be said about, um, you know, the amount of possessions in today's game and the amount of space you're covering and the toll that takes on your knees. And I think when you look at, you know, the average, you know, star player in the NBA in 1990 was playing 75 or so games. And now they're playing like 68 or so games. And I think that explains the, you know, maybe five games of the difference. But then you do have some load management. Some my knee hurts. I would be playing if this was a playoff game, but I'm going to sit out because we're playing the Pistons. Like yeah. that happens a little bit too much. And I get why that has to you know, be part of the CBA has to be included, but with all NBA, it just gives me a bad feeling. Um, I, I don't like it. I think there's, you know, all the players don't like it for a reason. Um, you know, I just think it's, it's just, it's the right idea, but probably the wrong execution. I'd expect them to change that rule this off season, to be honest. Um, once Joel Embiid averages like 30, 12 and six or 35, 12 and six, and doesn't make all NBA because he played 58 games or whatever. Like, you know, I just think that'll be a, a big talking point going into the off season. Um, I'm ready to move on to baseball if you want. Yeah, um, let's do it. Yeah. So we had a pretty major trade, um, Corbin Burns going from the Brewers. I believe he he's on an expiring contract, correct? Yeah. He'll be a free agent next year. Um, so that's the big reason a he's getting traded and B that he didn't go for as much as people would have expected. Obviously the Orioles have a ridiculously loaded pipeline of prospects. I believe they treated a shortstop named something Ortiz. Yeah, Joey Ortiz. Yeah. Joey Ortiz and a, a pitcher who is, I believe, a first-round pick. So some solid prospects, but it's not like they got um, certainly not a 
Jackson Holiday, I believe his name is. I'm not. Yeah, I mean, they're no, he's not going anywhere. <laughs> no, I know, I know. But you didn't get him. You didn't get yes. that like Gearstad or whatever. I, I don't know a ton about the baseball prospect system and what's normal for a star trade. I, I'll leave that more to you. But to me, it just seemed like a little bit less than I expected. Again, I don't. I didn't expect like their number one prospect to get traded away or anyone that's you know contributing to the MLB team in a major way. So. I guess I just expected a little bit more for someone as good as Corbin Burns, but um, the Orioles are loaded now. Um, it's really frustrating because they're going to have a great year and then be relying on Craig Kimbrell in the postseason, which we know how that goes. <laughs> I know um, it's a shame Batista's hurt. Yeah, he's he's out for the year, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. So that that's a big blow because they honestly are just such a loaded roster. Obviously, we saw them kind of get introduced to the playoffs last year got swept by the eventual world series champs um so it's kind of hard to say what they would have done if they hadn't played you know probably the best team last year but certainly a bit of a disappointing playoffs but not one that sets you back because you're so ahead of schedule already um so i just think yeah you're getting a true ace you already have some good pitchers you have a loaded lineup you Still have a pretty good back end of the bullpen, although, again, you're missing your best guy and you're relying on someone who I, I don't trust very much personally. Um, but, yeah, this team is loaded. It's going to be interesting to see what uh, Burns gets and to see if, you know, what the open market looks like for him. Um, I think next year is a better free agency class. So maybe he's less of like the star of the show than an Otani was. And obviously he's nowhere near Otani because Otani's Otani, but um, you know, just, it'll be interesting to see what his free agency looks like, especially depending on how the Orioles season goes. Um, what are your thoughts on this Griff? Yeah. Um, you know, I was surprised that, uh, you know, uh, this deal happened um, in the first place. I mean, I, I, I uh, sorry, I just totally blanked. Yeah. It, it caught me off guard. Um, you know, especially so close to spring training, you know, I think it shows, you know, the brewers are kind of heading in one direction. Um, Orioles are heading in another, the, you know, package they got, they probably could have gotten a little more. It's just tough because, you know, looking at, you know, the way MLB uh, top hundred ranks them, uh, you know, their Orioles top five guys are all within the top 32 prospects. So it's like to give up one of those guys is it's a, a steep price. And, um, you know, I think in this case, the Brewers probably ultimately just decided that more is better. They also got a, a comp pick that's 34th overall in the draft. Oh, yeah, so that's pretty high up. Um, so I think it's like fair. I mean, they probably could have done a little bit better, but, um, you know, I think a lot of it will depend, you know, DL Hall is a guy who's kind of been around for a little bit. He'll, he's only pitched two years, but he's been in the system for a while. Um, pitched more as a reliever last year. So we'll see kind of what happens with that. Um, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's an interesting, interesting trade. I think for the Orioles, it's great. They kind of needed this, you know, another starter. You've got, uh, you know, Kyle Bradish, who had a great year last year. And I think I saw a stat today that, you know, them two would have combined for the best, you know, one-two punch array in all of baseball last year. Um, so they got a really good top and head of the rotation. They needed to make this move. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what this team does. I mean, they've got a, a, a strong roster. Grayson Rodriguez is there. He had a good end of the year. Um, John Means, I believe, is still there. So it's a good rotation. Um, obviously, really young, a lot of young talent everywhere, like you mentioned. So 
you know, they're going to be a, another really good team. I think they'll they'll have some regression. You know, I don't think they were as good as their record was last year. Mm-hmm. And the AL East, I think, just got better. I mean, I think the Yankees are going to be a lot better this year. Um, the Rays are always a threat. The Blue Jays are going to be good again. Red Sox aren't just like a, a pushover 60-win team. So, um, you know, it's probably one of the best divisions, if not the best in baseball still. Um, but this was a move they needed to make um, because they kind of had a quiet offseason otherwise. Like, they didn't really make any big moves. They did just also – the team is getting sold to two, uh, I believe, private equity billionaires, which yeah. is huge because they've had an ownership problem there for a while. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see kind of how this team goes going forward. You know, I don't think these owners are going to be, you know, I don't think it's a Steve Cohen level of, of worth, but I think we're probably going to see this payroll go up because it has consistently been one of the lower payrolls in all baseball. Um, obviously they've had the luxury of just having so much young talent, but they haven't really brought in, you know, any, any other star talent. And I think this is, you know, hopefully a guy who they end up keeping, you know, I think if they could lock down Corbin Burns for the future, that'd be huge. So um, I like the move. I think it's a, a, a great trade. And, you know, for Milwaukee, you know, they're just kind of, I don't know. They haven't been good enough the last few years. They got, you know, really limited payroll capacity and you lose David Stearns, you lose Craig Council. Um, so I think this is kind of just a team that's heading in towards a rebuild. Um, which sucks to see, but look, that's baseball. It happens. And especially for these teams that, you know, are not willing to spend money. Um, it's tougher to stay in contention when, you know, guys start hitting free agency that need big contracts. So, you know, props to them. They made the move and yeah, kind of all I got. Yeah. Um, I, I have one other thing to say. I think the Orioles remind me a lot of the Thunder in the NBA, just like a team that's really ahead of schedule, um, but still has, you know, with the Thunder, it's both a young core and up and coming draft picks. And with the Orioles, it's also a young core that's already on the MLB team and a young core of prospects that haven't quite hit the MLB yet. Um, and they both obviously had great seasons, uh, you know, the Thunder more in 2023, 2024, the Orioles in 2023. But I just see a lot of similarities between a rebuilding team and a smaller market that's really ahead of schedule. And then they have those kind of the the window question where it's like, yeah. you know, do you go for it now while your players are young and cheap or do you wait till they're in their prime? Like what, you know, what exactly is the best course of action here? Um so I just I think that's an interesting parallel. But besides that, um, I'm ready to wrap up if you are. Yeah, go ahead. Um, yeah. So thank you for watching. Obviously, we'll be back next week with our official Super Bowl predictions, get a little bit deeper into some specific matchups. Um, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to look at, uh, pretty deeply into this matchup, you know, see some yeah. some interesting things I want to get into. Um, the trade deadline will have passed probably by the next time we're recording, yeah, I, I believe. Um, so we'll have some updates on what happens, some, you know, a better look at what the NBA is going to look like, probably some buyout market type guys. Um, and we'll, we'll talk MLB if anything else in the MLB happens, we'll get more into college basketball soon. Um, Griff and I were talking off air before the show. We were like, yeah, we're not quite ready for college basketball (laughs) talk a little early in the year. There's so much always going on. It's like, you don't even know where to start. I mean, holy cow. Yeah, but the uh, the closer we get to that uh, in March Madness and conference tournaments, we'll be talking more about that. So I'm excited for that. Uh, and without, with that being said, uh, thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next week on Outside the Arena.